Let's pray. God, we, um, that's our desire, God. We just confess this morning that many days, God, we don't live like we sing. So we come confessing that to you, God, but asking that you would do a changing work in our lives, not just this, this morning, God, but in our lives, the rest of this week, the rest of this year, that we would really live how we sing, that we would believe, God, that you're more valuable than anything this world has to offer. Please, God, please. We're tired of living for things that don't satisfy us. So come and awaken us today. Awaken us today to more of who you are and what it looks like to live with you, with our everything. You're the only one that can do this in us. We can't pull our bootstraps up. We can't work hard enough to make you our treasure. Thank you that you have given us faith so that we can live this way. Wherever we live in the world, God, we can live this way. We can experience you like that. Come now, we pray, in your mighty name. And the church agreed and said, amen. You can have a seat. My name is Andy Cantman. Uh, I'm the director of mobilization uh, for the 100 People Network. The 100 People Network, as Tyler mentioned earlier, is something that our church started four and a half years ago. And four and a half years ago, uh, God gave a vision uh, that was proclaimed to our body to see 100 people uh, start the process of going to the nations uh, in one year. And by God's grace, in that first year, over 100 people raised their hands. It's phenomenal. Uh, and, and over the last four and a half years, God has continued to raise raise up people to go to the nations. And when, when we talk about people going to the nations, what we mean specifically is three things. Number one, that they'll go to the unreached peoples. The unreached peoples just means that's where the gospel resources are the fewest, okay? The needs in Afghanistan aren't neater than the, grades, the, the needs in Austin. But the difference is the, the number of gospel resources going to Afghanistan is not great. Does that make sense? So the unreached peoples, we want to go where the gospel resources are are the, the fewest. Number two, we want to see people go for at least two years because we believe that's where long-term work starts. And number three, we want to go with sending people with a vision to plant churches that plant churches. We're never going to plant a church. We don't want to send uh, that small of a vision. We want to see disciples that make disciples that make disciples that transform cultures. And so it's with that vision that we started the 100 People Network four and a half years ago. And since then, God, by God's great grace, this is really amazing, by God's great grace, 89 people have left Austin and gone to the unreached peoples. Uh, that's really unbelievable. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's amazing. Just in the last four and a half years. And so what's fun about these folks behind me here, we, we do this a uh, couple times a year. We, we say, hey, who's going? Who's next to go? And these folks right here, by August 1st, by God's grace, are the next batch of folks that we're going to send to the nations. And what's really fun about these guys is they're going to break the 100 barrier. And so the, the goal that was set out, and they're going to wrestle, I think, who's going to be, you know, like number 100, no me, no, you know, like I, so you can place your bets and, you know, whatever. But... But, uh, and, then, and then somebody else is going to get to be number one of the next 100, so that's fun too. Um, but what we want to do uh, for them is we want to commission them, um, and we want to pray for them and send them out as their church uh, to the nation. So if you'll just go ahead and raise a hand in support um, of these folks, and we'll, we'll pray for them. God, we thank you and praise you for our friends here. 
uh, we thank you that they have by faith decided to go, not based uh, on a feeling, but based on, on you, how you're leading them in their lives. God, thank you for the process that has brought them to this place the last one, two, three years. We pray for them in these next months as they get ready to go. We pray specifically, Lord, for those who um, are fear facing illnesses they never have. I know one brother that even um, needs to see clearly through his eye, so I pray that you take away the fogginess in his eye and that he would see clearly even now, Jesus. We believe you can do this. We pray that you would protect them from doubt, Lord, as they begin to question, am I really supposed to go? And there will be plenty of days where they wake up feeling uneasy about raising support and leaving everything that's familiar. Give them your word to stand on, God, that you have led them to this decision. And God, we pray that you would raise all all their support as they go, that they would be fully funded when they go to the nations. We pray too, God, that, that, that you would prepare people's hearts to, to be ready to receive the truth of the gospel, that you would have people there who are ready to say yes to you, and they would find these persons of peace, these men and women who are ready to say yes to you quickly, and that movements of the gospel would start where right now there is nothing. Your name is not being proclaimed. We believe you for that, for our brothers and sisters here. God, help us not to forget them. Help us to pray for them daily. Help us to give generously to them, God. Thank you for their sacrifice. Thank you for the happiness that they are headed into. We love you, and we send them by your great name. And the church agreed and said, amen. 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 All right, let's give these guys a round of applause. It's, it's a beautiful thing, and, and we've said it lots before. Uh, these guys aren't any better than anybody else. Everybody has a role in our church, and today we're not talking uh, exclusively about going, so don't worry. Uh, the only message you're going to... Uh, uh, however you're supposed to say that, right? Uh, you're not just going to hear go to the nations. That'll be a part of it. But I really do believe, I really do believe that today God has a word for every person that's hearing this. People have been fasting and praying this week and the weeks leading up to this that God specifically would move in your lives today. So we come with great expectation we come with great expectation. So we want to start out with this question. Why, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we do the things that we do? There was a really smart Frenchman who lived in the 1600s named Pascal, and he said this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never makes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man. And God designed us this way. He designed us as happiness seekers. We're, we're, we're not going to wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? I had enough happiness yesterday. I don't have to really worry about making decisions based on my happiness today. I'll just kind of go with the flow. Even when we say we're going with the flow, we're doing that because we believe that going with the flow and being apathetic, that there's happiness in that. Can anybody relate? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you guys. That's not you guys. That's, that's the 11 o'clock service, right? They're the ones that sleep in. So, so not you guys, right? Um, but God designed us this way, that we would be pursuers of our happiness. And whether our actions honor God or not, we are pursuing our happiness and everything, everything that we do. And yet God, he wants our happiness, but he also wants our obedience. And obedience is hard, isn't it? Amen? Anybody relate? 
You can say amen. amen. <laughs> um, obedience is hard. And, 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 and so the naysayers will point to objections and say, how could I be happy if I try to obey all that God has for me? I mean, it's, 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 it's impossible. I mean, if I obey God, I'm going to have to say things and do things that, that I may not like or that, say things that offend other people or make them feel uncomfortable. If, if I obey all that God has, I mean, it means that I'm going to have to change parts of my life. And honestly, I, I kind of like my life how it is. So why obey God? I mean, if this, the naysayers, right, will say, if this salvation based on grace alone, it's not based on what you do, then why obey God at all? Why not just pray a prayer, believe in Jesus, and then live however you want? If obedience, if my obedience doesn't affect my salvation, why should I obey God? It's a good question. But hear this, church. Hear this, church. Obedience is where the most happiness is found. Amen? Obedience is where the most happiness is found. This is what Jesus said in John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, your jo- that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. See, Jesus said obedience is the key to full happiness, to full joy. Without obedience, there is no full joy. And some of you are like, well, Andy, but, but didn't you just say a little bit ago that obedience is hard? And when I hear obedience is hard, I hear suffering. And suffering to me doesn't sound like happiness. It's actually a really good objection. And I would agree with you. Happiness does require suffering. Obedience requires suffering. But here's the key. Here's the key. The joy from obedience is better than the hardness of the suffering. The joy from obedience is better than the hardness of the suffering. Or to say it simply, the happiness is better than the hardness. And so us seeking our happiness and obeying God are not at odds. They're actually one and the same thing. That's what Jesus said. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. God wants our full happiness, our full joy, and it's found in obedience to him. So today we're going to look at the life of Moses and see how happiness in God motivated him to obey God even when it meant suffering. Even when it meant suffering. So you can go ahead and open in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning there, as you're turning there, I want you to pray and ask God. Ask God for more happiness. Because he wants you to live in more happiness than you're living in right now. No matter who you are. No matter who you are. If you've known him for a long time or you don't even know what we're talking about when we say believe in Jesus. And just pray and ask God, God, I want more happiness in my life. Show me how you can do that today. Amen. Let's read Hebrews 11, 24 to 27. It says this, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
Moses faced three common ways that we suffer when we obey. He faced the, the, the suffering of the fear of man. He faced the suffering of the fear of leaving his lifestyle. And he faced the suffering of leaving his location. So let's start with the fear of man. The fear of man. And we're really asking the question in the fear of man, how can obeying God and seeking my happiness work together as it relates to other people? But first, a little background on Moses, right? The people of God, the people of God had been turned into slaves, and Pharaoh didn't like the fact that they were multiplying all over, so he decided to start killing all the baby boys. Well, Moses, his mom and dad, after he's born, didn't want their son to die, and so by faith, they put him in a little basket and floated him down the river. And in God's providence, in God's providence, Pharaoh's daughter draws him out of the water and makes him, makes him her son. And so he grows up, Moses grows up as Pharaoh's grandson, having everything that he wants, right? And then Moses leaves Egypt, sorry, leaves, uh, uh, leaves Pharaoh's kingdom and, and goes out um, to become a shepherd for about 40 years. And then God meets with him, speaks vision back into his life, and then he goes back to Pharaoh to free God's people. And so you can imagine kind of what it's like for, what it's like for Moses when he's going to Pharaoh, right? Uh, Pharaoh, most powerful man in the world, I met with God. He spoke to me through a burning bush, and he wants you to let all your slaves go, and, and I, I guess I'm the one to lead them. Sounds like happiness, doesn't it? And yet Moses knew, right? Moses knew that the consequence of displeasing God was greater than the, the consequence of displeasing man. Or to put it positively, that happiness found in, the happiness found in pleasing God is greater than the happiness found in pleasing man. So Moses was saying, I'm not going to be afraid of Pharaoh, no matter who he is, because obeying God is where the, the best joy can be found. So how does that relate to our lives? The king or Pharaoh represents several groups of people. The first group that I, I want us to, that, that I think we live in fear of often is called the man. You know who I'm talking about? The man. The man can be our bosses, it can be our coworkers, it can be government, it can be parents, it can be anyone that's trying to hurt us or trying to make our life miserable, these people are known as the man. And whether it's in Austin or among unreached peoples, we can believe the lie that we can't share with the man. And it's just not true. And so oftentimes what we do is we tiptoe around leaving little Jesus hints, hoping that will be enough. Right? You know what I'm talking about? The little Jesus hints? And, and, yet, and, 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 and yet there's more joy out there that God has for us than the little, and there's no offense, right? If you've got a little calendar in your cubicle, that's awesome. Okay? But there's more joy that God has for you. For example, in, in, our, in our Goer Missional community, there's a guy named Brian. He works in a small firm on the south side of Austin. And, and you know, his joy is probably where mo the majority of people's joy is in their job, somewhere like here, okay? And, 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 and he likes it, but there's, and so he, we've been praying for boldness to share with our coworkers in our group. And so he goes and he knows these guys. It's not a big firm. And, and he goes to one of these guys at a break and says, hey, can I ask you a non-work-related question? Question. The guy says, sure. He says, have you ever read the Bible? And the guy says, uh, I mean, not as much as I should, I guess. And Brian says, would you like to read it with me? And the guy thinks about it. And he says, yeah, I would. And now, so for the last month, Brian's been reading the Bible with his coworker. Do you see how the joy level just increased? And Brian's job is he begins to interact with his 
the people that God's put him around to share the good news of the gospel, how the joy went up. And it's not just this guy. There, I know engineers and salesmen, guys that work at Starbucks, who are doing this because there's more joy found in sharing than in keeping quiet. Or I think about, I think about Psalm 118.6. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. And so instead of walking into our, our workplaces and in our neighborhoods kind of timid, right? Like, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to share Jesus. We walk in with some confidence. If you knew God was right there with you, right? Would you walk with some more confidence? I think you would. If Almighty God, who is invisible, was visible, you would walk in differently into the places where the man lives. And you would share because he is your helper, because he's on your side, so you don't have to fear. I think about a, a short-term trip that just got back a couple weeks ago. They went to a Muslim country, and by God's grace, they saw over 35 people come to Christ. It fits in with a great long-term strategy there. And so these guys, all these guys believed in Jesus. And so... <coughs> Excuse me, some of them got baptized, and you know, you're like, well, that's great, you know, baptism, we do that here too. And, uh, but the difference is in this country, the difference is in this country, you can be put in prison for 29 years if you get caught being baptized. That would make baptism look different, amen? And, and yet, and yet this short-term team got to witness these guys in the open getting baptized. And they were singing loud songs and giving testimonies of what God had done in their lives. And this is what one of them said. It's, it's really amazing. He said, and we were just talking to him three nights ago, and this is what he said. He said, the amazing, the thing that amazed me the most was they had no fear. I think this is why the gospel is spreading so quickly there. I think he's right. I think he's right. I think when we don't live in fear of man, the gospel spreads and we get joy. The other group that, that Pharaoh represents is our families, right? It says in verse 24, remember, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The suffering of the fear of man in our families is very intense for a lot of us. And everybody said? Just a few of you, okay? I, th I think it's more intense than, than the, the ones that said amen. I think there's a lot of us out there. And, and you imagine, just, just think back. Maybe you even had, maybe this happened in your life. You think back to Christmas dinner. You're sitting across from your father-in-law, and you're like, I know I should talk to him about Jesus. But you also know if you talk to him about Jesus, what's going to happen? Suffering, Right? It's going to cause a fight. He's going to get defensive or shut down or he's going to attack you or start making fun of you, asking really hard questions. And it's not like you're even trying to debate him. You just want to share your treasure. And so you have a choice to make. Do you sit around the table and keep talking about all the things you usually talk about, football, bowl games, same old how's your job discussion that you've had a thousand times, right? Or you share about Jesus. It's really a happiness question, isn't it? Where's the most happiness found? See, I think if we've shared, and some of you got to experience this this Christmas, if you shared, you know there's more happiness found in knowing that you loved him well and talked about Jesus rather than the shame of guilt of not saying anything. And, and I bring that up not to make anybody feel bad, but to say, guess what? There's going to be another opportunity, amen? And when that opportunity comes, we have a choice to make. We can choose more joy. We can choose, we can either go through life on cruise control and have conversations that don't mean much again and again and again, or we can choose what God gives us faith to do and step into, step into conversations that have eternal, eternal significance. 
One of our Goer missional communities, they've been praying that they would share more and more with their families. And one group, one group of girls actually, in just the last five months, has seen four of their family members come to Christ. It can be different, amen? These people aren't special. They're nobody. I mean, I mean, they're great gals, okay, no offense. But, like, um, they're, they're just normal people just like you and me. And they prayed for boldness. And they began to ask each other if they were doing it. And they've seen four family members come to Christ. It can happen in your family. You need to believe that that can happen in your family. Amen? God wants it to. And it can. And yet we know family's not easy. Especially as it relates to going to the nations. The fear of family is probably the number one reason the number one reason why many people don't go to the unreached peoples, why many people don't raise their hand, why many people don't go to an info session because they're afraid of their family. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, ones that believe in Jesus and ones that don't, all of them alike try very persistently to talk their child, their loved child, out of going, to not go. Because they believe that the, the happiness and safety and the, the happiness of them being together all the time is greater than, than anything else. And, and do we affirm that being together and being safe are, are great things? Yes, we do. But we also believe that there are people out there who haven't heard Jesus who need to hear him. There are people outside the family who need to hear about um, Jesus and say yes to him and become a part of the family of God. And that is the truest family happiness we can have. It doesn't get better than that, folks. That family is eternal. It's eternal. God wants us to have lasting happiness, but it means that we need to leave the fear of man behind. It also means that we need to leave our lifestyle, all of us. That's the second, second point. We need to leave parts of our lifestyle. This is what it required for Moses. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty five that Moses chose choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And I, I don't know if you ever think about this, but Moses had everything, right? Growing up, grandson of Pharaoh, right? I mean, we're talking Bill Gates kind of wealth. I was trying to think of an example of somebody that kind of spanned the generations. Uh, somebody, and, and all that came to mind was Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. Um, I know he's no longer alive. And, but, but this guy, and I know he's not even the richest man alive, but he had some extravagant things like slept in an oxygen bed. He had a little 24-karat gold um, uh, door knocker, 24-karat gold, and, uh, and, and had uh, all these exotic animals. He had a gold coffee machine. I don't think probably too many people, at least uh, in, in, in our body, have a gold coffee machine. The, the, the guy even had uh, this amusement park right where he lived, right, with a turtle roller coaster. And you're kind of like, hey, Andy, those are kind of eccentric, but they're not really treasure things for me. Okay, sorry. But, 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 but the point is, right, the point is that, that Moses had everything, the latest clothes, the best food, the fastest chariots. He had it all. He could go anywhere he wanted, whenever he wanted, right? He could do everything. He could do whatever he wanted, and yet he left it. Why? Why did Moses leave all that? It says in verse 26, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. What was the reward? The reward was ultimately more of God, amen? It was more of God. Not that God changed or became more somehow, but that Moses wanted to experience more of who God was. And the more he wanted God, the more he knew of God. And the more he knew of God, the more he wanted of God. You think about it. Think about how 
Think about Moses' life as he's interacting with the, with the holy God, shoes off, sandals off, right, in front of the burning bush. The living God is speaking through him through this huge burning bush. Or you think about Moses getting to see the, the finger of God write the Ten Commandments. Or when Moses stretched out his hand over the Red Sea and saw the Red Sea part right in front of him. Or when Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock and, and God puts his hand over him and lets Moses just peek out just a little bit, right? And so that Moses could see his glory and he comes down the mountain face glowing because he saw the glory of God. Do you think that Moses thought, you know, I don't know if it's really worth leaving Egypt. No, of course not. He didn't think that. At the end of his life, he never once thought, was it really worth it? Because God had more happiness for him. God had more happiness for him, even when it meant suffering. Let, let, me, let me give an illustration. Let's say that I was hungry for barbecue. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. A lot of good options, a lot of good options in Austin. Let's just pick two, okay? So on the one hand, I could get a McRib. Now, I know there's some of you out there, like me, that like McRibs. I, I'm actually recovering um, a McRib, whatever you're supposed to say. Guy, I haven't had one in almost three years, okay? But I used to love McRib, okay? I, I, I lived in Iowa. That's all we had, right? And, and, and so... And, 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 you know, you know what I'm talking about. And then on the other hand, I could go to Franklin's, right, on East 11th. You know what I'm talking That's some good barbecue. And so I've got a choice to make. And let's say my friends convinced me to go to Franklin's. So we're driving down the road, going to Franklin's. And, you know, I, I've, I've been to Franklin's before. I remember specifically getting out one time just to see how long the line was going to take. Talk to the last guy. He's like, oh, hour and a half, hour 45. Doesn't matter, you know. And, and I was like, 90 minutes. Oh, man, I don't have that long, you know, of a lunch break. And so we left and went somewhere else. But, but so let's say I'm cruising down the road with my friends, and then we go by McDonald's. Right, and it's right there, and it's got the big sign: "McRib is back." You know, and it, if you didn't know this, it comes back every year. Okay, it's like, oh man, like when I lived in Iowa, I used to kind of think like, is it going to come back next year? I sure hope so. You know, and I, they they got me for like three years, and then I was like, I think I'm noticing a pattern here, um, and and so so. You know, we're passing by McDonald's. McRib is back. Sign is on the on the deal, and 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 I look at that. And I'm like, 90 minutes, 90 minutes of waiting for barbecue? I could, in 90 seconds, I could have a McRib, right? 90 seconds. And so there is some suffering in passing that, that, that fleeting option, right? The pleasure of that, it's very fleeting if you've ever had a McRib, right? <laughs> it passes quickly, okay? I mean, no offense to McDonald's, but it, that's what happens. And so, so we go and we stand in line. Let's say for the sake of it, we're standing in line, 110 degrees out. We stand in line for a couple hours, you know, it's, and, and, and no wind. And we finally get into, into Franklin's and we have that first juicy bite of those pork ribs. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's like, can we go to lunch right now? And, and, and then all of a sudden, the suffering of, of saying no to McRib, the suffering of, of even standing in that line, that th those things all start to dim because there was a greater reward waiting if we were willing to endure. And that's how sin is. The sin really is like the, the fleeting pleasures of a McRib. It really is. It, 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 it's instant gratification and then you pay for it right away. It's, it's how it is. Think about it. Think about it in your own life. Like if you tell a little lie to make yourself feel good, you feel good, get some people praise, and then instantly you feel shame. 
Or you come home from a long day at work and you veg out in front of the TV, something comes on you know you're not supposed to watch, and for a silly few moments of pleasure, you give in to that gratification. And then instantly that's replaced with shame and guilt. It doesn't work, my friends. It's fleeting. It is gone. We have to fight for lasting happiness, not quick fixes. That's what Moses did when he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God, it says in verse 25, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin because he knew that there was more happiness waiting for him but that he would have to suffer in order to get it. And this, this, this analogy, right, this, this concept of suffering for the sake of greater happiness, it's all over the place. We think about those of you who are, are still trying to work out, right? New Year's resolution, still going after it. It means suffering to get up early and go work out or to eat healthier. Um, I think about moms. You're, it's probably one of the best illustrations, right? You carry this little person inside you, this little life inside you for nine months and, and, and inside your body, I mean, we got stress and pressure and pain and that little person, that little beautiful person is making your body do some weird things. It is whacking your body out, Right? I mean, you would think that after going through the process of producing offspring that most people would just be one-child families. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and for those of you um, who have never been a part of that, just trust, trust me, okay? It's not an easy one. And, and yet, when that mom, when that mom receives that precious little life, what happens to all that suffering, all those nine months, all that waiting? It's no different in adoption in many ways. People that adopt have to go through great suffering in order to bring that little life into their families. Amen? There's lots of suffering that goes into adoption just like that. But, but when that little life comes into your life, you say, it's worth it. It was so worth it. And then crazy talk starts happening a few months or years later. You know what? I think we should have another kid. I th- and, and it's kind of like, what are you talking about? Your body is whack. Because of this little person, and you want to do that all again? Why? For the sake of more happiness. See, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the happiness. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward, the greater the happiness. And God is calling every one of us today, every one of us to sacrifice, to sacrifice, to leave parts of our lifestyle for the sake of more joy, for the sake of lasting happiness. And this can play out a lot of different ways. I think about the, the, the free time, right? And over Christmas break, most of us have a little bit more free time. And for me, I kind of slip into this spiritual, like, coma, right? My community's gone. I sleep more than I usually do. I eat more than I usually do. I watch more um, uh, movies than I usually do, all for the sake of resting, right? You know what I'm talking about? And, and so last Sunday night, just a week ago, this happened, okay? No different. I just was kind of thinking, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to watch Shark Tank, an episode of Shark Tank tonight, and I'm going to cruise around Craigslist, okay? And, and that's what I do for fun. Sorry if that's weird, that's not your deal. But, but, um, but that's just kind of relaxing for me. Just chill out, right? It's the end of my break, and my buddy calls me and says, hey, do you want to come over and read the Bible tonight with me and my Japanese friend? And I'm like... You know, and this is when last week, remember, it was like cold and rainy and nasty out. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, no, I, I, by God's grace, I need, I, I, I'm going to choose that by faith because I know probably that that'll be better, right? And so I step into it, not because I felt like it, because I knew that's where God was leading. And long story short, friends, that Japanese friend said yes to Jesus just last week. Amen? Yeah, you can clap for that. 
You can clap for that. See, it's not that watching Shark Tank or cruising around Craigslist is bad. It's just that God has more joy out there for us. Amen? He's got more joy. And so we don't need to be motivated by guilt. Let's be motivated by greater joy, greater happiness. These are the things that God has for us if we'll just leave parts of our lifestyle. I think about the money one, right? The treasures of Egypt. And, and most of us would say, well, Andy, I, I don't exactly have the treasures of Egypt. And yet, relate, as it compares to the world, half of which makes half of which makes less than $2 a day. All of us are millionaires. All of us are princes of Egypt. What do we do with those funds? Have you ever noticed that when you get something new, whether it be a, a new phone or shoes or clothes or a car or whatever, that the newness wears off very quickly? You know what I'm talking about? Even that newness smell, you know what I'm saying? That newness smell, it wears off. In, in just a few weeks or a month, and it's gone, and it's back to normal. I wonder if we had a longer view and, and look towards real return on investment, not just 10 years ahead, but eternally. What if our, our, our missional communities and our families began to say, there's a greater happiness that I'm going to live for? Again, not because any of those things are wrong, but because God has more for us if we'll trust him. This is, this is what Jesus did and said just what Jesus did, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For I know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. By his poverty you might become rich. What does that look like for us? You're not experiencing any joy. You heard all that kind of joy and giving stuff last, last semester, right? And you're like, I don't know if I'm getting that. Maybe it's because you're only believing that giving 10% will bring you joy. 10%'s a joke, friends. Jesus gave everything. He became poor. Why? Why did Jesus embrace the suffering of becoming poor? He did it for the sake of happiness, for his and ours, that we would become rich, rich beyond compare. And when we begin to enter into this same poorness, into this same poverty, then we'll experience more joy, more joy than what we currently have. But it requires us to leave our lifestyles. Jesus didn't only leave his lifestyle. Moses didn't only leave his lifestyle. He off, they both also left their location. Moses left Egypt to go to the promised land. Jesus left heaven to come to earth. This is what verse 27 says in Hebrews 11. We're almost done. By faith, he, Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The whole talk could be summed up with this one little verse. By faith, this is something God does in us, amen? This is not go try harder to be happy. This is God, I want to be more happy. You have to do this work in me, amen? Your spirit has to do this through me. It says, by faith he left. We all, goers and senders alike, need to leave something. Our lifestyles, some of us, our locations. It says, not being afraid. There's greater joy in God that casts out fear. First John says, perfect love casts out fear. It says that Moses endured. Happiness is initiated by suffering. As him who is invisible. This is the reward. God is the reward of our happiness. Experiencing and knowing and enjoying more of him is the ultimate reward. So the, this reward is what motivated Moses to leave his location. Moses didn't just go across town. 
Moses left his country, everything that was familiar. He left parts of his family. He left it all. Why? For the sake of greater happiness. And Moses didn't know what it was going to look like to get there. He didn't know what he was going to do when he got there. He just knew that he was supposed to leave. And so with lots of questions and lots of fears, Moses left. And today, today, God is calling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you, maybe even a thousand, to leave your location to leave Austin, to leave the United States, to leave where there's thousands of churches and millions of believers and go where there is no church, where there is no kingdom of God yet. See, this invisible kingdom is what prompted Moses to face his fears and leave his location. Moses left for lasting happiness. He was going for happiness. He believed that there was more happiness in his going than there would be if he stayed put And it meant suffering in his life. He was following the example, right, of Jesus. Jesus, it says in in Hebrews 12, too, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. See, it wasn't that the cross was fun. Jesus hated the shame. He hated being, being separated from God. And yet for the sake of joy, he went. And now it says, and it finishes, and now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 13 makes it even clearer. Our leaving location location is where God has more happiness for many of us. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 12, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Do you see how the reward of the city that is to come, where God is at the center and him being enjoyed in worship, where there is no disease or death or divorce or anything, no shame, no guilt, this is what motivated Jesus and this is what motivates us to see people in this city This is what motivated Ronnie and Anita to go to Libya. This is what it was. This is the happiness that Ronnie died for. See, just like Jesus, Ronnie and Anita knew that at least in part, not fully, but they knew in part that there would be suffering. Embracing suffering is always part of living for the reward. Moses embraced that suffering. Jesus embraced that suffering. And Ronnie and Anita embraced that suffering. Did Ronnie and Anita miss their families when they left? Of course they did. They didn't feel great about that. Anita's dad had died just a year and a half before they left, for crying out loud. It was the hardest thing in the world for her to leave. And yet, for the sake of those outside the camp, they left. And and it wasn't because God wasn't using them here. I mean, a month ago, you watched Ronnie preach. He was a gifted preacher. And it wasn't because God didn't have more opportunities for them to serve in Austin. There was another great church in town. They had friends there. It was a healthy church, and they asked Ronnie to come and be their lead pastor where he could use his giftings week in, week out to bless the body of Christ. And yet they left. I want to read you a quote, and then we're we're basically done. From Ronnie in an interview that he did with Matt Carter right before they left. He said, Anita and I... Felt really good about it, taking the position, right? And we were going to do it, but one thing 
just kept gnawing at me. There's healthy churches here in Austin. And so you've told me before and Halem has told me before, go somewhere and make it count. And so we were looking at Boston or New York or possibly Ann Arbor or going back home or something like that. But it just kept gnawing at me. It just kept gnawing at me that anywhere I go in the United States, there's a good church. Someone can find a healthy church that preaches the Bible, that loves God, and lives on mission anywhere in the United States. But there are people in the world who don't experience the joy I have. There is a joy and a freedom, just just amazement found in knowing God and enjoying God. And these people, they don't even have access to it. They don't even know. And I want them to know. I want them to know the relationship they can have with God. I want them to know the freedom that's found in forgiveness. I want them to know what it's like to have a personal relationship with God and enjoy him. I want them to know that God. I want to go where there is no church. I want to go where no one could find a church if they wanted to, where there is no access to the gospel. And that is what drives me. Do you see how the desire for enjoying this happiness and sharing this happiness motivated Ronnie and Anita to leave, to face their fears, to face their sufferings and leave? And we've been praying ever since Ronnie's death that God would raise up more and more and more and more people to go, to leave Austin, to leave their location and go. So, so you might be asking, well, I think, I think I want to do that. I've known I've wanted to do that for a long time, and I've been looking for the opportunity. Or maybe you're being awakened to it for the first time today. What's your next step? What's your next step? Your next step is really practical. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, just like Tyler mentioned, at St. John, 7 p.m., you clear out your schedule. I know you're busy people. Clear out your schedule, and you come to a one-hour info session. You learn what it means to go to the nation's. Short-term, long-term, let God worry about which of those it is. But you come by faith and you see all that God has for you. We're believing that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you will come. Because you believe, like Ronnie did, there is a greater reward. There's a greater reward, the reward of knowing God and seeking the city that is to come. That's what drove our brother. May this same passion, may this same drive, drive us, drive our church so that we give everything to enjoy more of him. Let's pray. God, we, we confess that we um, think about these things, whether it be facing the man or, or changing parts of our lives that we like, or, or leaving Austin, and we are scared. We thank you for the promises in your word that, that say that you are always with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that when I am afraid, I need to trust in you, God. Fear not, for I am with you, you said. It's so clear, God, that you are with us. And so we thank you, God, that as we make decisions today by faith, that you will give us the power, you will enable us to do things that we thought we could never do. 
And that one day, God, one day, whether it be here in Austin or in Afghanistan or wherever it be, God, that we would look back and say, look at all that God has done. Every single sacrifice was so worth it because you are worth it, God, and we will spend eternity worshiping you, enjoying you, God, and we, but we don't have to wait until eternity. We can begin that, start that right now. Thank you, God, that we get to enjoy that there's more of you that you want us to have Please come, God. Give us faith. Give us faith to act, to act together because you're so great. We pray this in your mighty name and the church agreed and said, amen.